0: Thank you for tuning in to Tripod Talk Radio, where we're spreading the word that it's better to hop on three legs than limp on four. Hosted by Jim and Renee and Wyatt Ray of the Tripod Blogs community at Tripods.com, Jerry's Place for Canine Amputees and their people. Oh, that- Hello, uh, so, this uh, is uh, uh, Radio. Today is Sunday, February nineteenth, two thousand and twelve. We're happy to have a very popular guest back with us today. Stacy Croftcheck will be joining us again this time to discuss, among other things, how to welcome new animals into your pack. Stacy is a spiritual advisor, healer, and animal communicator, and you can find out more about her services at AllSpiritHealing.com. Welcome back to the show, Stacy.
1: Thanks, Jim. It's great to be back.
2: Stacey, it's so good to have you here. Thanks so much for for telling us
1: all you know about this really important subject. We really appreciate your time. Thank you. It's my pleasure. And this is one of the main concerns or issues in in an animal household is adding on different animals as well as the other part is the food. So it's one of my favorite subjects to talk about. Great.
2: Well, well, I think we should just get started because, you know, I, I always thought you just, bring you bring a new dog home and you yeah of course you try to you know you introduce it to your existing animals first and, and if they get along great you all come home and everyone lives happily ever after um, but apparently there's more to that than than I ever thought so I, I'd love to hear your take on on what we can do to make this transition easier for for everybody but especially for the animals
1: yes definitely Um, A little bit about my background is I was at an animal shelter for nine years being an animal caretaker. So I was able to find homes with the appropriate animals and things like that. And I was also an animal control officer for Milwaukee County for seven years. And so the other aspect of introducing animals at at a shelter on a neutral ground and things like that um, was part of the background with my previous employment, as well as what I do now of more of the emotional aspect of the
0: introduction.
1: So there's there's something to do behaviorally and slowly into integrating an animal and doing it off of um, a neutral ground, like in a park or things like that. You don't really want to introduce an animal in their own yard or in a, in their own house because it is territorial. So you kind of want to do that outside the appropriate way as well as okay. what you want to say to introduce the animal or to prepare the animal before you even introduce them. So a mm-hmm. lot of my clients already have animals that they've had for three or four living three or four years living together, but still not getting along. And it's about how they're introduced. Because a lot of times on a whim, we come home with a, a or bring a, a horse to the stall or to the to the um, a boarding facility where they're at, or bringing home mm-hmm. a new puppy or a new kitten like surprise, and the animal's like, what am I supposed to do with that? So there's a lot of hard feelings and holding grudges and things like that because, again, animals do hold grudges and do have the same range of emotions and feelings as we do. So it's Uh really important to address that first before you actually physically introduce the animal, even if it's weeks ahead or if there was a litter of pups just being born or kittens, it's just really Uh important to say, you know, we're going to get an animal. How do you feel about that? Especially if you just lost an animal, like if an animal just died or made their transition to the other side, the other animal still be, still may be grieving and mourning the other animal, and if okay. we throw an animal too quick, sometimes that can really put the situation into a tailspin. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, I, I'd like to start from the beginning. Let's, let's say that if you are at a shelter and, and you meet this wonderful dog and you think, this dog's going to be perfect for my family. You bring your other dog into the shelter to to introduce them. Um, is that is that the right
1: setting or is that the shelter dog's territory? Well, normally from from where I've worked, I'm not sure, you know, what everybody does now. When we had an opportunity, we'd always take them usually outside on the grass or a fenced in uh-huh. area to do the dog intro appropriately on leashes together and just mm-hmm. to see how the body language was back and forth as well as the energy and personality. So us humans say this is going to be a great fit for our our animal, and the dog's like, oh, no, it's not happening. So what I mm-hmm. also have have done in the past at the animal shelter is I would introduce different um, dogs size-wise, going from a small dog to a medium to a large dog. I'd also introduce a female and a male dog and even though the owners may have an idea or their heart set on a certain animal, and sometimes the dog picks a different dog to kind of come home with. So you're giving the animal an option. You're not kind of just putting them together like deal with it because, in the, you know, eventually it's going to add into an explosive mm-hmm. or possibly aggressive situation or the animal gets depressed and starts retreating and not partaking in the family dynamics. So sometimes in the shelter setting, it's usually a neutral territory anyways. Um, mm-hmm. which is different than just bringing the animal home or, you know, meeting the animal in the kennel, which obviously isn't appropriate. But there mm-hmm. are certain appropriate ways to do that. And even do kind of like a slow baby step kind of thing. And um, and just the, the progress of talking about meeting another animal first before you're actually going to the shelter to meet an animal. So you just kind of want to say, okay, tomorrow we're going to go meet a dog and we're going to see how you like it and see how you guys get along and then, you know sometimes they're able to put the animal on hold after the introduction and then are able to bring the animal back the following day just to meet again so sometimes you have to kind of slowly integrate and sometimes it's boom right off the bat perfect fit let's go home
0: mhm
1: wow
2: so so, so you're you're suggesting talking to your dogs uh, at least a few days before say you're thinking about it but but you really need to sit down with them and communicate that this is something that that you'd like to do? And, and do you
1: ask their permission? Is is that how it works? A little bit, yes. I would definitely even mm-hmm. prepare the animal even after um, a transition if another previous animal companion has passed and then you're just thinking about adding another animal and you're just kind of feeling out the energy of what the animal does. Sometimes the animal will actually physically get up and walk into the other room or sometimes they'll look at you and their, their tail starts to wake. So, again, it is a, the physical communication as well as whatever they're sending you telepathically, whether it's through an image or a warm feeling in your gut or wherever you receive your um, intuitive messages. So sometimes you can get the feeling that way. But you definitely want to say before you even find an animal that we're looking for an animal. And what that animal's role will be, well, since you're such a great dog, that we would love to have you help train this new dog or puppy and um, and kind of help us teach him the rules of the house as well as outside. And we had a dog who was about 12 years old, and when I was working at the animal shelter, I had a foster mm-hmm. dog that was scared of everything. And so I brought him home, and then I talked to my old dog, who was the household dog, and I asked him for help, and that, you know, it was just a temporary situation so he didn't have to really worry about, anybody taking over, but the household dog, he only went potty in the ditch. So he urinated and defecated in the ditch. So he actually taught the foster dog to urinate and defecate in the ditch. So they can, right. that can be a benefit by kind of stroking their ego or talking up how good of an animal they are and that you need the help so it can kind of give them a job or a role on this new animal and what's going to happen. Mhm. And and
2: not to get off track or anything, but but you mentioned bringing home a foster animal, and I'm I'm wondering, do these does this method work it, even if the situation is just temporary? Is, is your existing animal going to know that that dog is going to leave
1: eventually? I mean, how do you how do you talk to them about that? Yes, that's a great question, um, and it goes both ways. It goes that you would want to talk to the foster dog, just saying that it's just a temporary situation. It's not that you don't love this new animal or don't want to have you know them in your household, but they're just you're just a temporary um, fit until you find find the right household for this new animal. And you'd also want to talk to your current animals about this is just going to be a foster dog. It's just going to be temporary, you know. And then you want to make sure that this foster dog also has its own toys, its own bed, you know, so it's not like that. this new animal has to come in and share or doesn't have anything of its own, and then you can give that to the new people as well, so you're still kind of giving a little bit of a, a peace and a familiarity and comfort with that mm-hmm. foster animal to the new home. So it is about the physical things as well as the emotional, cause, uh, emotional issues because those need to be addressed the most. And mm-hmm. so if you do find a foster home, that is, um, or I should say, a, a new adopter that's actually going to adopt the foster dog, then you'd want to share with the foster dog that, you know, it's been great having you and we're so glad you've been such a great dog, but this new family is going to take you and hopefully keep you forever and, you know, and that we'll still hopefully be able to see you. But, again, you want to talk to them like they are human, be very descriptive, be very detailed, and again, put yourself in that animal's shoes. And what would you want somebody to tell you to make you feel comfortable? And you want to talk to them about the car ride and how long it might be, and and just to kind of just you know feel it all out for them, so they can so they can get the whole A to Z and what's going to happen.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And and, and, and if somebody's, and go ahead, go ahead. Sorry.
2: Oh, I, I was just going to say, if somebody's thinking about fostering. Um, all of these methods that we're talking about today, will that be appropriate when you're thinking about bringing home a foster dog, say? Um, like, you know, in, in, instead of just picking the first foster dog that a group assigns you, would you purposely go in there and make sure that, you know, you're picking one that will get along with your dogs?
1: That's a good, that's a good idea, too, is just sometimes we do want an animal that's compatible, especially if they seem to be aggressive. And sometimes if you have, you know, a very balanced pack in your house already and you have a really skittish dog that's coming in or a foster, that actually could be a good fit because you have already a balanced, confident pack and sometimes that can also rub off on the new dog who tends to be skittish or frightened and that can help build their confidence and their, um, and their trust not only in humans but also their environment of loud noises or unfamiliar circumstances and things like that. So sometimes you do want to look to see if it's a good match personality-wise, but also if you have a little bit of an opposite, it can also turn out to be a very good balance because your pet can teach this new animal um, how to behave appropriately and things. Nice. And I also do want to nice. throw in a quick, uh, quick story, Renee, is sure. um, I just had a, a reading last week with a, a wonderful family, um, two humans and uh, three dogs. And they've had these dogs from six years, seven years, and I think the other one's nine. And just a great family. And the one dog, when we had talked to him, I just asked, you know, how he's doing. And reminding you, he's, you know, six or seven years old. And so he was hurt because this family originally picked a different puppy. And so they took this puppy and then ended up bringing this puppy back, but then adopting this other dog, or actually got him from a breeder. And so he, for six or seven years, was kind of holding that, per se, grudge, but just more of feeling slighted that he got the sloppy seconds. So even though, you know, wow. time had passed, six or seven years, this dog still remembered this woman and the, or the family coming in and picking this other puppy over him, loading him up in the car, driving down the driveway, then driving back, dropping off the other puppy and picking up the other dog, their their dog that they have now, just because the way I asked her why she went back is it because the way she looked he looked at me when when we left. It just knew that she knew that he had to come home with him. But all this time had passed and the dog wow. still remembered that. So then we just had to talk to him about his role and it wasn't that she tried or that they tried to intentionally hurt him. It was just something that unfolded. But again sometimes when the things happen to us, we do hold grudges against people or certain circumstances in our life that we're a little Mm -hmm. hurt about, and we just have to apologize. And it sounds silly, like we'd have to apologize to an animal, but it Mm -hmm. makes a world of difference. Even if you have a tendency to tease a dog or a cat or a horse or bird, and you talk down to them or or, um, call them nicknames or hurtful names, like this gentleman Mm -hmm. called this one cat Fat Cat. And so I was talking to the cat, and she says, he calls me Fat cat." And I said, you call her fat cat. He's like, yes, but it's with a P because she was a portly, wide, stocky cat, and she was very hurt. <laughs> and so, again, we don't want anyone calling us fat or dumb or stupid right. or having some um, hurtful nicknames, and animals are the same way. So apologize to the animal. You know, even if it's been four or five years old, four or five years, that an instance happened where they, you added another, another animal without letting this animal know, in how you want them to behave and to get along and to be a little bit more of a harmonious family. It does make a huge difference just by apologizing.
2: Wow. So is it is it more that, that the animals understand the intent of of your language and your emotions than, than the actual words and vocabulary, or is
1: it is it a combination of both? How How does that work? I believe it's a combination of both some you know some animals do understand words better some animals understand feelings better and that's why mm-hmm. sometimes us as humans we send mixed, mixed messages because we're saying one thing showing them a different image or actually showing them a different feeling that's not matching what they say so mm-hmm. it depends on the animal as well as you know how clear you are but just sending them more of that heartfelt love and emotion and the feeling as well as the words I, I, I believe either way works and again just coming with that pure intent of making amends or making things right or coming from a very apologetic state they get that they really do and there was another woman um, who has a who had two therapy dogs and one had died you know and they had to put it to sleep because it was 14 and it had was you know failing pretty quickly And so this um, client wanted to get another dog to do therapy because her current dog now doesn't want to do her type of therapy. We had communicated and he's very sensitive to energy and he doesn't like doing therapy work at hospice because he can actually feel when people are going to die and it's very heavy and a lot of emotions. And so he's more of the therapy dog for kids and people like in rehab making amends. And so she wanted a therapy dog more for the hospice work. And so she kept checking in, and, and you know, and she met him, um, brought him to meet three different dogs. And we had a communication session, and, and he's still not ready, and she still kept pushing it. So the last mm. time we had a session just over the phone, um, the dog was actually in the same room as her. So when she asked me, you know, I was looking at this other dog, and the dog that was currently on the floor got up and left the room because she was going to ask, can I get another dog yet? And he basically oh, wow. left the room, like, how many times do I have to tell you, lady? I don't want a dog <laughs> right now. So it was, you know, again, not the right time for him, even though the owner wanted one. And they still mm-hmm. haven't found the right dog. They had a foster dog. That was a temporary thing that didn't work. Um, but it just it just sometimes just takes a little bit more time.
2: I, I think it's really interesting that this dog that um, didn't like to do that type of foster work, because when... Jerry, um, our our previous dog was a, a therapy dog. Um, he he had the same kind of reaction at at um, care homes. He was mm-hmm. great for a while, but then after after about six months of visiting like that, he just didn't seem to enjoy himself as much. And mm-hmm. I never in a million years would have guessed that it was the weight of of the emotions of being in a place like that. Because when we would take him um, to do therapy work around, like, say, little kids, he was fine. He w- he had a great time. But around the old folks, he just didn't seem to be himself. And I never in a million years would have guessed that that might have been why.
1: Oh, yes. And we have to remember, too, that animals are 10 times or 100,000 times, whatever, more sensitive than we are. So they can feel energy. They can feel our emotions before we're actually in tune with them. So when you have an animal that's a therapy dog, you definitely want to protect them doing some type of energy work or using an essential oil, using just a visualization of surrounding this your animal from nose to tail, from paws to the top of the head, like in a little white light bubble. So it's kind of like that little, little armor or the protection. And sometimes they just need that um, alone to be able to go into those types of environments because there's a lot of emotions, okay. a lot of heaviness. As well as this dog could smell when people were going to die, so he wow. would go in those rooms, and sometimes he would just go underneath the desk um and just hide because he was like, "I'm shutting down, I'm done." So it affected her as well as the, you know that was her passion and and the dog affected it completely in the other way. so it's really important and that's a great point too, to talk about is the therapy dogs, mm-hmm. and of course what they're doing there, so some dogs just flourish in different energies and different environments, so some dogs are great with hospice care because they're happy, they're a little quirky, kind of obnoxious, um, and they just bring a lot of love and la- and la- and lightness and laughter, and that's what's needed in those mm-hmm. environments. And some are so sensitive, and like little sponges, and they just kind of soak up all that heavy energy. So it's really mm-hmm. important to protect your animal when you go and also to clear your animal when you leave so they're not taking on the environment, the energy of the environment or of the people that it came into contact with. So that's really another a really great point to bring up too.
2: That that makes a lot of sense. Now now if you're bringing a new dog into your home, uh, let's say everything looks good and you're you're introducing him into the the pack, um, what are the first steps you need to do from the moment that you're you're gonna go through the doorway with this this new dog? Okay.
1: Well, hoping all the other prep work has been done and that you've talked uh-huh. to the animal and you've been kind of prepping all the animals in the house about what's going to go on, but also their role. So about them being a good brother or sister, or mother or father, and to help with this new animal. And that you want uh-huh. to, you know, express to them that you have a lot of love to give and that you want to help rescue and save another animal just like you did with that animal. So after you get all the, the prep work done and then introducing them into the house, from my personal experience is that I, you know, especially if it's a dog, I do keep them on the leash and walk them around the full layout of the house as well as kind of describing them, what to you know, what goes on in each room or where they're going to be sleeping as well. It's so important, again, to make sure they have their own new bed. You don't really want hand-me-downs, and that's what a lot of us do is, you know, we had George who was the best dog ever in his bed, and then it, George's energy and smells are on that bed, and so sometimes our whole perception of George kind of gets thrown onto this new dog. So we want to make sure we have new toys, new collars, new beds for our new animal companion. Because, again, we don't want hand-me-downs, but sometimes, we, you know, we've had to growing up for, you know, siblings' mm-hmm. clothes being passed down. Um, and then you also want to walk them around the yard and kind of show them the layout of the yard and, and good dogs stay in this in the yard. And, you know, so, again, you want to be very descriptive about what you want to happen as well as the relationships between the animals. You don't want to force anybody to get along. You want time for everybody to kind of feel each other out and get used Mm -hmm. to everybody's energy as well as possibly sharing toys, as well as a little jealousy factor. So, again, you want to say, you know, I have a lot of love to give. I have two hands. I can pet both of you guys at the same time, whether or not you allow them on furniture or allow them on laps. And you just want to say, you know, we have three or four adults in the household, so you have three or four laps to lay on. So there's always going to be a lot of love here and a lot of um Toy space, as well as food. So you want to kind of reassure them they're always going to have the food. And that's, of course, going back to the foster animals. Anybody, any animal that's been rescued has gone through some type of trauma or been gone through um, two or three different homes or been caravanned from down south up to the Midwest or across countries or flown up. Because you just kind of want to tell them, this is your forever home. We're going to do our best for everyone to get along. And, of course, where they're going to sleep at night and when you get up in the morning and how the routine is going to be and that there's, you know, this is going to be the the feeding times. You want to make sure that you're supervising the feeding times. And, again, we take it, you know, for granted in our mind that even if we do get an older dog, that they know the routine. But, again, you have to remember it's kind of like getting a new puppy where you kind of have to show them the ropes. Not all dogs are like this or not all animals are like this. So you're going to have a great dog who's, boom, into the household, into the routine, not a problem. And there's some animals they just kind of have to walk along and kind of show them the, the ropes every day and just a constant reassurance of this is your forever home, we love you, we want everyone to get along. And there still might be tiffs, you know, because they have to establish the pecking order and they may try to push each other's luck and, and their boundaries, but it's just important to kind of observe and then know when we need to kind of direct or um, discipline or or break something up or, you know, step in when we need to. Does that make sense? It does, it does. Now now what type of body language should you be looking
2: for when you when you bring them the new dog home?
1: Well of course it's always the posturing, you know, so whether it's uh the neck being very firm and how soft or firm the ears are and always watching the tail, you know, if it's a soft wig, if it's a hard wig. Um but again you definitely want to do the intro on neutral grounds and then eventually from my experience again, everybody's you know, experience and training and background is different. But to meet them outside of the yard, or if you're coming out of the car, take them for a walk around the block to build off to let all that build-up steam and stress and anxiety to wear off, and so they can get all that exertion out. And then when you do bring them into the household, it's more of a softer, gentler energy, and you can bring both the dogs in together. So uh-huh. it's just more of a, a pack mentality before you really even, or uh, a bonding, I'd say, more outside of the house and then to gently bring them both in the house. And then, you know, just watching your dog and, you know, being respectful and, and just kind of telling, you know, it's okay, everything's going to happen, you know, it's going to happen in, in a very soft and gentle manner. And obviously you don't want to give the new animal full run of the house while you're gone. And, you know, you kind of want to do those little things to find a little bit more balance, as well as giving your current dog a little bit more of a timeout, if it's especially mm-hmm. if it's a younger energy, as well as that respect that it is it's still his house and the other dog has to kind of earn his way through your house. That's what I Mm -hmm. thought. That's been my experience.
0: That's great. We actually do have someone in our chat room with an unrelated question that you might be able to help. I thought maybe you could give us some advice. Um, Everything you said, would that go for families bringing new babies home?
1: Oh, that's a great question. Yes. You, again, want to preface and tell them that you're going to have a baby. A lot of animals do know you know, they can see mom or dad pregnant, or if you're going to adopt, but you're going to, again, tell them you're going to have a new baby, and what their role will be, as well as if they're, the mom's in the hospital um, with the baby, then you would want to have somebody to come home with a, a piece of clothing or a blanket from the baby and bring yeah. it home before the baby comes home for the animal to smell so it kind of gets the smell. And the other part is you want to make sure – again, from my experience, that when you have a new baby, that you can still hold the new baby and give love and attention to your animal. Because a lot of people mistake when you put the baby down for, for a nap or to go to sleep, then that's the time for the dog or the cat or the animal. And that's where sometimes they they get the confusion and the jealousy because you want to associate um, both the animals with positive reinforce the animal and the baby with positive reinforcement. So the dog or the animal, cat, may see you holding and loving, giving the baby the attention as well as petting them. Because sometimes the, the dog will associate the crying and the fussing when you go get the baby, and then you forget about the animal at that time. So you want to associate both of the positive reinforcements together, as the the dog and the baby. Did that answer your question? I'm I'm not sure if I'm babbling.
0: It does. You're not babbling at all. It's all. Great advice. I really appreciate it. I'm sure there's some families out there that would appreciate it as well. But I'm wondering, with just three minutes left here, you might be able to help one of our members in the chat room. Tina is talking about, uh, let's see, um, um where will I, where 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 we go. Okay, he uh, has a puppy um who was welcomed into the pack at 8 weeks and the dogs in the pack are now 6, 7 and 8. And since Samson's amputation, um the youngest one in the pack is showing aggression towards everyone. He is his name is uh, uh Let's see. Samson is the golden retriever and and he's now since the amputation of boomer is just being aggressive towards everyone. And she's showed extra attention, things spending special time, walks alone, sitting in the lap, and separation only makes it worse.
1: hmm Well part of it too is so it's a disruption to the energy of the house already. But you want to have a, a sit down talk, so whether or not this has been discussed prior to the new puppy coming in, but maybe this new dog, I'm not sure the name or not the new dog, but the dog that's showing the aggression needs to have a job or a role, not that this new dog came in. So yes. it was already a established house, and they have this new animal coming in, so now it's like, what the heck am I supposed to do? So it's more anxiety-related, as well as just a little bit of fear and possibly uh, an abandonment issue as well. And so Well, they're like actually,
0: came. I'm sorry to interrupt, but um, the dog's been but, in the pack for years. Um, mm-hmm. But as it turns out now, we have about a minute left here. So um, the dog's the youngest of the pack, and they've been a pack forever. But since the amputation, uh, the youngest one is is getting more aggressive. So that that would be a, a change in the energy because of the amputation, and the other dog might be having a dominance issue or. Um, that's why people would turn to you at allspirithealing.com to get more answers on questions like that. We're going to thank you very much um, for your time once again. And listeners should be sure to check out the Tripods Downloads blog for podcasts of this and previous episodes, or join us in the Tripods forums and live chat room to continue this discussion at com. Do you have any final words for our friends out there?
1: Oh, thank you, everybody, for calling in. I apologize for not answering the question appropriately or being able to get to the question to answer it appropriately, but if there's questions for anybody to call me. But thank you so much for listening, and hopefully I reached at least one or two people and their problem kids out there and to hopefully find a little bit more of a balance. And communication, communication always helps solve the problems. And, again, talking to our animals like we would want to be talked to will definitely change your relationship and, and the bond will definitely grow much deeper just with communication in and of itself.
0: Great advice once again. Thank you very much.
2: Thank you, thank Thank you, Jim and
0: Renee. Until next time on Tripod Talk Radio, learn more about canine amputation recovery and find the best gear for three-legged dogs at tripods.com.